With every story we hear, listen to, read, or tell, we make basic human connections that help define who we are. Welcome to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast devoted to those stories that tell us who we are when we're in the dark. Listen closely now. The dark is speaking, and the need to be heard never dies. It's time for Home is Where the Haunt is, the portion of our podcast devoted to personal experiences with ghosties and ghoulies. Have a story to share? Send it in to afterwardsstories at gmail.com. We're dying to hear from you. On his way to get married, a military man and his best friend set off on an 800-mile road trip from Camp Lejeune in North Carolina to Lafayette, Indiana. It was 1 o'clock in the morning on a cold January night in 2014. The weather was bad, and temperatures were in the negative double digits. As the pair closed in on Indianapolis, they discovered they were about to run out of gas and had no money to refuel the car. I grew up in the trucking industry with my dad. I decided to look for a truck stop. But because the main interstates were shut down due to the weather, they had to get off the highway and search along the back roads instead. We found a smaller truck stop. In the parking lot was one semi-truck, but it was just kind of strange. It was an all-black truck with a blacked-out trailer. There were no real markings on it, nothing distinguishable. They went in hoping a clerk or waitress would spot them a few dollars for gas, enough to make it to Indianapolis, at which time he planned to go to the bank, take out cash, and pay back the loan. Inside, they found a tidy diner, occupied by a waitress, cook, and a lone truck driver. I went inside, talked to the driver, and he bought us cups of coffee. We sat there and talked for about 30 minutes about what was going on, where we were headed, and what we were doing and he gave us 20 bucks towards the gas. I went outside, pumped our gas, came back in, and I told him, hey, I really appreciate it. I'll be back with your money. Making good on his word, the man got cash from the bank upon arriving in Indianapolis and returned to the diner. We arrived at about 10 o'clock in the morning, but it was all boarded up. It looked like it had been abandoned for years, and the truck was gone. They pulled in anyway and found a police officer parked in the lot. They explained what happened just hours before, and the cop chuckled and replied, Oh, you met the ghost of three. The cop said it had been boarded up for 25 years, but the ghosts of the owner, his wife, and their favorite customer had been seen more than once by people who had stopped at the diner. So I guess two military men conversed, had a cup of coffee with, interacted with three ghosts at a diner that didn't exist, and I filled my car with actual gas from pumps that had long been since shut off. I walked over to the abandoned building and dropped the $20 through a gap in some boards. I hope our account is settled. 
Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Afterwards Paranormal. I'm your host, Shelby. Is anyone out there a thrift store enthusiast like me? Other people's stuff is addictively fascinating to me. Maybe I love old things or maybe I'm just nosy. I also like the idea of recycling clothing and other items. But for whatever reason... Garage sales and thrift stores are among my happy places. However, I have often thought, along with bringing home that great sweater, silver ring, or antique lamp, what else might I have brought home? Could there be a spirit attached to it? By buying used, have I invited something unsavory to live with me? I like to buy little stuffed animals for my dogs to play with. And one time I brought home a bag of little stuffed animals and in it was a cute little cat in the shape of a ball. But every time I held it, it felt really strange and the pit in my stomach just fell. The clincher, however, was that neither dog would play with it. So I put it in the bag of the things that go out to the thrift store. Hopefully it's found a home it likes. In our story, Garage Sale by Janet Fox, A young woman finds an unusual treasure for $5, but ends up regretting her purchase. Here are some other people who brought home something else with their treasures. Number one. I didn't buy it, but there was a vintage last rights kit at my GW that creeped me out hardcore. I knew what it was, and it wasn't the association with death that bothered me, but it's like it carried the evilest vibe. It gave me the feeling that whoever had owned it was a horrible, evil person. I put it back on the shelf and left quickly. A few days later, I tried to go to the same store, but felt paralyzed with fear of that object as soon as I turned into the parking lot, so I didn't even stop the car. Number two. I bought a very old painting of a boy at the antique mall. I found the picture hanging behind a large hutch, and the woman didn't even know that she had it. We worked out a price, and I own him now. He's hanging up over my sofa, and I swear his facial expressions change every once in a while. I also have a painting of two pretty little girls that my mother is absolutely terrified of. Number three. I bought this really old, extremely heavy mirror with a wood-carved frame. The glass is really thick and beveled. The mirrored part is this cracked foil-type paper behind the glass. Guess that's how it used to be made. It was behind a bar near Tombstone, Arizona. I bought it, brought it home, and nothing has been calm since. Extreme paranormal activity. I don't know how much of it was brought by the mirror itself, but I 100% believe that, for lack of a better word, it activates whatever is lingering in the home or property. I have had psychics bring it up to me on multiple occasions. They ask me about a mirror, to get rid of it, and to get rid of it immediately. They always have differing views on how to get rid of it, but they all say it's dangerous for others who are unaware, and I don't want that bad karma. 
Plus, it's beautiful and hard to part with. I felt like I had PTSD from all the activity it brought about. I covered it and put it in the basement. I'm currently trying to sell it to someone who knows how to handle such items. I don't want to toss it in the trash. I feel like someone would take it and open Pandora's box again. It's an amplifier of some sort. It weakens the vibrations of the house until extreme instability arises. It's been in six homes in ten years. Activity starts the minute the mirror is displayed. Number four. A couple of weeks ago, I purchased a shirt, but there was a weird movement to it. Something wasn't right. And when I put it against my bare skin, I got shivers and never put it back on. Something was off. It's currently in a bag all tied up in my closet, and I haven't touched it since. I can't quite explain it, but I do think something might be attached to it. Number five. I bought a necklace with these really pretty, large, smooth black stones. I have bought and worn plenty of secondhand jewelry before I bought this one, but I could never wear it longer than a few minutes because it gave me a creepy vibe, like an unwelcomed feeling, like it didn't want me to be wearing it. That message came through loud and clear. I don't know if it's haunted, but I still get really bad vibes every time I put it on. I tried smudging it with sage, but it did no good. Number six. I worked at an antique auction house for years. We got into one estate where we were bringing loads and loads of stuff in. There is definitely something very creepy about the house. No one has lived in it for years, but it stayed ice cold, even in the summer, with no air running, and it was miserably cold during the winter. And then there was the feeling that someone was always standing right on your heels, breathing down your neck. Things started happening in the auction building after we brought in the things from that home. You could hear shuffling in the back like someone was dragging their feet. We had a picture lift up off the wall, go over some taxidermy, and fall into some chairs. Another picture had flipped off the wall that had always been there since the building opened. And I was in there alone one night printing stuff out. Everything was staged up front, ready to go on for the next night and I kept hearing this movement around the objects. Then it felt like something was standing right behind me. Every hair on my arm stood up, and I could feel my scalp lift. I guess all the goosebumps in my hair. I could not get out of there fast enough. Number seven. My husband had bought two old photo albums. One was from an old doctor who passed away from cancer. A few nights later, I woke up by someone hitting the side of my bed hard. This happened the next night, too. I was scared and covered my head. Husband didn't even wake up. The next day, I made him throw the thing away. And here is my favorite comment. No, I have never brought something haunted home. And every time I see something creepy in the thrift store, I point at it and say, Haunted! Just so it knows. I know. There, now. You mustn't be afraid of the dog. After all, it isn't afraid of you. (laughs) 
You are listening to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast that offers you dark tales from literature, lore, and you, the listener. If you're interested in contributing stories to the show, please stay tuned after the story for details. Janet K. Fox was born on October 5, 1940, and died October 21, 2009. She was an American fantasy and horror writer, poet, teacher, and founder-editor-publisher of the now-defunct Scavengers Newsletter. Fox spent 15 years as a teacher of English and foreign languages at Osage City High School, and a number of years after that, she was an instructor for Writer's Digest School. She lived in Osage City, Kansas. And now, Garage Sale by Janet Fox. They were driving around the city on a steamy late summer afternoon, two secretaries beating the heat of their inner-city walk-up by cruising through suburbia. Here lawns lay crisp and green under a mist from sprinkler systems. The houses hermetically sealed to hold in the coolness breathed by air conditioners. Stella clacked as she drove, but only because she was addicted to plastic bracelets. She also liked to dye her hair different colors, though mercifully just one color at a time. Jen was to Stella as the wren is to the cardinal, not noticeable beside the more flamboyant display, yet having a quiet style all her own. They got it made, huh, said Stella, not having to bust their buns in a dumb city office every day. House, hubby, kids. The American dream, right? I think you made a wrong turn. Where? Back there. Some of these residential streets end in a cul-de-sac and... A cul-de-what? Jen subsided since it was too late to get Stella going in the right direction. Shadows of low-hanging foliage immersed the car, but only served to intensify the heat. The neat cookie-cutter ranches had given way to older residences in a variety of styles, most of them pretentious, spread more widely apart, and set well back from the street. Or how about these? Woo-wee! As they passed a neo-Victorian horror, rife with gingerbread and flanked about with fountains and marble statues, both of them saw at once the hand-lettered sign poked into the funeral grass lawn. Garage sale. Today only. Do you believe that? giggled Stella, putting on the brake so suddenly that Jen had to steady herself with the hand on the dash. What do you suppose they're selling, the crown jewels? asked Jen. As long as it's a bargain, said Stella, her bracelets rattling as she climbed out of the car. The house awed Jen a little as she walked toward it. Stella giggled and pointed as she passed a marble cupid relieving himself into an ornamental pool. I know you love these sales, said Jen, but every time I go to one, I get talked into buying some worthless junk. Never can tell. Today may be your day to find a treasure. Jen looked furtively at the cupolas and stained-glass windows. A place like this? It could just be some kind of joke. Stella gestured toward a cardboard sign tacked to the porch railing. Garage sale in back, with a scarlet arrow pointing the way. There was a garage in back, though the builders had evidently not felt called upon to give it the ornateness they'd showered upon the house itself. Although the place was large inside, almost barn-like, they saw to their wonder that it was stacked wall to wall with a jumble of artifacts, 
furniture of all kinds and periods, clothing of several different eras, tools, household gadgets, and things that defied description. I think I just died and went to heaven, said Stella. She began to root contentedly about among the merchandise. Jen nodded a greeting to the woman who seemed to be in charge of the sale. She sat behind a card table on a tattered chase lounge of violet brocade, most of her attention claimed by a cheap paperback romance. There was something odd about her, something Jen couldn't quite put her finger on, though certainly she might have been any housewife in faded jeans and checkered shirt rolled to the elbows, a bandana covering her head, the fat coils of her hair rollers distending it. There's something funny about this place, she told Stella, who ignored her, rummaging through a trunk of musty-smelling garments, a moth-eaten feather boa draped about her shoulders. Something funny, she muttered to herself, and began to move desultorily around the place, seeing an enormous moose head, the bottom half of a store-window mannequin, and the photographs of Generals Grant and Lee framed in what looked like the seat of a privy. What an incredible collection of junk, she said under her breath. Yet despite her incredulity, she began to get carried away by the sheer volume. What had Stella been saying about finding treasure? She was poking about in a dim corner when she moved aside a Chinese silk screen patterned with tigers. As she did, she drew in her breath and hastily began to apologize. A man sat before her on a threadbare recliner, seemingly to stare out at her, though with the reflection on his glasses she couldn't be quite sure. Her apology trailed off as she realized he wasn't moving. My God! My God! Stella, he's dead! Stella! As she turned to run, she collided with someone she at first thought was her friend. It was the woman in charge of the sale. She smiled a small, secretive smile that made her angular, high-cheekboned face seem anything but ordinary, and she gripped Jen's arms to keep her from falling. Jen opened her mouth to scream to Stella, but as she looked, by some trick of vision, her friend seemed small and far away, waltzing dreamily, a gown of blue voile held up before her. She can't hear you. Not from here, said the woman calmly. Released from her grasp, Jen stood unsteadily before the strangely immobile man in the chair. Here? Where's here? A juncture. A pivotal moment outside of time. Do you like him? The woman removed the man's glasses with a proprietary gesture and cleaned them on the tail of her shirt. Jen saw that he had gentle, myopic blue eyes. Do I like him? I won't pretend that he's like new. The hair's thinning on top, and he could lose a bit down here. She patted the obvious paunch beneath his white shirt. But in many ways, he was a good husband. He's your... No, you couldn't be selling. Well, a person gets tired of things sometimes before they're quite worn out. You know how it is. A tiny, dark, questing head peeped from beneath the bandana and slowly oozed its length down the woman's face. A snake as big around as a pencil with a minuscule tongue that darted out to taste the woman's cheek. Almost before the image registered, certainly before it was believed, the woman had swept it back under the bandana with a casual gesture. Up close, Jen could see the bulges beneath the cloth move, coiling and sliding. I guess so, said Jen, licking her lips and looking again at the man in the chair. He looks nice, but 
She hadn't noticed before, but there was a price written in grease pencil on his forehead. Ten dollars. But why does he just sit there like that? Since it's getting late, said the woman, lowering her voice conspiratorially, and no one else has been interested, I'll let him go for half price. Is he, is he dead or... He's fully functional. I'll reanimate him when the time comes. Are you telling me that you're some kind of witch? That's just a word, but I guess it'll do. They used to catch witches and burn them. The woman laughed, shaking her head until a darkly patterned tail slipped out onto her forehead and quickly slithered back under cover. Not real witches, they didn't, she said. You must be crazy and... Jen looked desperately for Stella, but she was no longer there. A yellow plastic bracelet lay on the floor in a prosaic patch of sunlight. Don't expect corroboration from your friend. She was never here. Neither were you, if I don't make the sale. What if you do make the sale? The woman smiled. Yeah, I kind of thought you were interested. Well, you'll have a husband, that's all. Say you met him right after you finished business school. That's what I'll think? That's what will have happened, said the woman, looking at her fingernails. They were very long fingernails, polished black, and the tips curved inward. Do we have children? For five dollars? Jen's fingers moved numbly, opening the catch of her purse. She didn't think she could just leave him there like that, staring into space and sitting in that ratty recliner for all eternity. And then, she hadn't had much luck getting a husband the usual way, so... As she handed over the bill, the woman's eyes caught hers, cool amber eyes, steady burning as lamps, the pupils a horizontal bar of darkness. Her whisper, grown low and sinister, hung in the air. Tell you what, I'll even throw in the chair. Just look at me, Ben. Sometimes I think you're glued to that goddamn chair. Ben blinked up at her his eyes so innocent, so vulnerable behind their panes of glass that she felt she could gladly throttle him. It was so predictable, so irritating. Screwing up his face with concentration, he did something to the TV's remote control, and the volume of the football game rose imperceptibly. Really, Jen, I don't suppose you could come up with this overpowering desire to go out on any night except Monday. A man works hard. He deserves a chance to sit down once in a while. He twitched like a rabbit. So what's for supper? Oh, God. A wisp of smoke curled through the kitchen door, and Jen ran to remove the smoking pan from the stove. She turned the water on, half choking on the smell. Then she stood at the sink, looking at the charred and drowned remains. If I had to do it all over again, she said quietly, drawing a hand across her face and leaving a black smear. She sighed inaudibly, thinking that no one ever had a chance to do it over. No one. Never. She busied herself in the kitchen for a few minutes, then returned to the living room, automatically picking up newspapers from the floor and an empty beer can that had left a ring on the coffee table. I burned the chops, so I put in a couple of TV dinners. I figure you'd like that. You like the damn TV so much anyway. For a moment, she thought he hadn't heard her. He sat there immobile, like a graven idol, blue images from the screen flickering on his glasses. At last he grunted. That's just great, he said. A man works hard all day and comes home to TV dinners. Some wife I found for myself. Listen, she said, interposing herself between him and the set. 
You're not that big a bargain yourself, mister. For some reason, even she could not fathom. She found that vastly amusing and repeated it. No bargain, she said, and laughed until tears came into her eyes. But if you love him, you forgive him. Even though he's hard to understand And if you love him I'll be proud of him Cause after all He's just a man I really enjoyed this week's story, but I can't stop thinking about that story of the haunted mirror that that woman bought and brought home, and her comment about how it seemed to activate the paranormal energy in her home. I know that mirrors have been used for centuries to communicate with the dead, and the fear that there might be a spirit trapped in the mirror, or that it's a portal for spirits to come and go. People still cover their mirrors after a death in the home so that that can't happen. The thought that a mirror could actually stir up the paranormal activity that's already in your home, perhaps previously unknown to you, is something I hadn't thought of before now. I'm going to do a little sleuthing and find out more. If you have had any experience with mirrors, please, please let me know by either emailing me at afterwardsstories at gmail.com or posting on the Facebook page. I would love to know more. Thank you so much for listening to Afterwards Paranormal. I've been your host, Shelby. And as always, I'll leave the last words for you. Thank you for listening to Afterwards Paranormal Podcast. Please join us on Patreon and Facebook. You can listen to Afterwards Paranormal on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact us at afterwardsstories at gmail.com. And remember, the need to be heard never dies. Mm-hmm.